Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we W E explore the big money issues in the world of sports. We're a team. Evan, team. Evan should have his own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interrupting you, Barr. I just wanted to say that I think Evan should have his own podcast. <laughs> you with the voice, Evan with the knowledge. See, not even. <laughs> yeah, you notice Evan is being really quiet about this thing. Man. Come on, Evan, chime in. <laughs> I love the three that we have here. Uh, we we, we have a good. We have a good. That team. reinforced the we. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For those who don't know, we we're having some fun with one of our Twitter followers, who suggested I interrupt too much, and I'm annoying. Very annoying. Use the bad word. Very annoying. Bar. I'm kind of clueless. Kind of clueless. Great voice, though. Great voice. Great voice, though. We consistently and, get Michael Barr's voice yeah. is the biggest compliment I think the three of us get. Yes. On no, the whole. Only no. thing complimented more is Evan <laughs> should have his own show. What? Well, and, 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 and you, you know and what? I'll have ours. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? We're glad to get the feedback, and uh, we are appreciative. And you know what? And as and as I I had written back to yeah. the the Twitter follower, I said, "You're right, Evan is great. Evan's great, but Scott is a gem too, and I'm going to try very hard to win this person over." Well, you don't have to try. I guess I have to try. If I did go and start my own show, that would be quite a revolution from within the ranks, which translates very well to our first topic, right? Does yes. It? Does it? Well, I see where you're going, Paul Rabel. How does that How does that make a nice? That's essentially what Paul Revolution. Rabel is doing, right? He's starting his own thing from within a bigger well, establishment. Sure, it's not evolutionary, not revolutionary. I'm just trying to get us on topic, guys. <laughs> just trying to get us on topic. <laughs> Five minutes into the show, we haven't said a That's all thing. right. We have a, this is a good one. Bar. So what do you think? We broke the story here. Yes, Paul sir. Rabel, perhaps the best-known lacrosse player with a keen business mind, uh, has an eye on starting with investment from – let's say, with Wall Street, with sports and entertainment, led by Rain Group, his own outdoor lacrosse league, in essence, taking on MLL. And he's getting some players that have already signed up, some strong players. And let's keep in mind, too, even in the regular uh, lacrosse league, the guys still have to have a second job. I mean, this is like you know old-time sports from years ago where you know, the players play football and then uh, you know they're selling insurance in the off season. Yep. Well, this is the same way it is for a lacrosse player, but now uh, there's more money involved. Well, in as we spoke about on the last show or last week, MLL has decided to increase the salary cap by fifty-one percent, add a, a roster spot. You get the sense that perhaps they knew something was coming here, that the players were responding. From my understanding, players had to notify MLL if they had an, an option or if they were given the chance to go to another league and those forms started to come in. So obviously they knew, they knew something was up. Now it's a question of this style league. This is not going to be a team in a city. This is going to be six teams traveling to a city per weekend and playing sort of like a festival style, like the NCAA Final Four. So Scott, give us a sense here of, I mean, A, how realistic this thing is of, of succeeding, and B, is this a, is this a zero-sum game? Are we... Three years from now, is the MLL gone, or or is Paul's venture not successful? Can they coexist as two different outdoor lacrosse properties? Be, be surprised if there was enough room for multiple leagues. The indoor and the outdoor is different. This new league, the PAL, Premier Lacrosse League, um, the players will be full-time. Uh, 
they will get health benefits, and they will get equity. So it seems the selling point here is all the things you've been asking for come to our league and we can give it to you. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm saying it seems as if Paul has his ear to what the players have been asking for. And if you don't have the name brand players in lacrosse, you don't got the best guys in the world, it's just not going to work. So Paul, I think Paul's onto something here in that if he can get the best players to come to his league, the hardcore lacrosse fan out there, well, it's never going to be the NFL, but there are certainly enough eyeballs out there with an attractiveness to advertisers because of the financial demographic of the sport and the fans that they can make a go of it. And if you're MLL, your argument kind of for fans to stick around and I guess for players to stick around is that you have brand, you have teams that have their own brands built in cities. If you're a fan of the Denver Outlaws or the Boston Cannons, you know, and, and you care about that as a franchise, uh, you should be sticking around with MLL. Yeah, I mean, that would be the selling point. Ultimately, though, you say, what are you going to pay me, right? If you're an athlete, it's going to be, how much? How much can I get? Do I have to go get a second job, or can I be a full-time lacrosse player? Am I going to get equity, a little slice of it all, like I am in this other league? Do I get health insurance like I am in this other league? Those are the things. More and more, even in the biggest, the, the big stick and ball sports, we're talking baseball, football, more and more these off-the-field issues are what are driving the CBA discussions. The dollars and cents are always going to matter, yes. But more and more, it's, it's about health. It's about safety. It's about retirement plan. It's about health care. Those are the conversations going on at the richest sport level. I, won I wonder if we'll see, both from a media and a sponsorship level, brands and networks kind of straddling both properties, at least in the beginning. I mean, let's face it, lacrosse isn't as expensive a property as basketball or, or, or football. I wonder if we'll see brands that are like, you know what, let's do both. And if you're right, if it is zero sum, let's let's be in both. And in three years, when one of them is emerged as the clear winner and, and kicks the other one out, uh, we've at least been there for a while. Well, yeah. that's just going to say this about the broadcasting rights. Now, they didn't reveal go, all about it yet. But that's what really is also going to play a major role in this. My guess, in talking to some players, my guess is that the talks that are going right now are with the major brand networks. So if you're concerned, where am I going to play? Uh, my guess would be when it all shakes out, you're going to say, oh, this, this new league, they've got some pretty serious broadcast partners. And... It is going to be visible. It is going to be distributed. That That's a pretty good thing. Let's talk about Nike. And they're feeling good and proud about the Colin Kaepernick campaign. Nike declared its uh, its earnings this week. Uh, much watched. You know, it's been a new company that's been in the news probably for good and bad, depending on who you are, a, a lot in the past few months. Uh, the earnings were good-ish. You know, the, the, the stock is down a little bit uh, in after-hours trading after the announcement came out. That said... Their revenue beat projections $9.9 billion in the quarter. They're on pace, it seems like, to have a $40 billion revenue year. Um, things look like they're pretty healthy for Nike. Evan, explain to the listeners what they missed on was gross margins. And apparently what that triggers is the concern about profitability and higher production costs. In essence, what am I right? What investors want to see 
is that Nike is strengthening its own channels, that they want to distribute, create, distribute, sell more on Nike.com, in Nike Town. They don't want to have to rely on, let's say, Foot Locker. Exactly. Yeah, the Nike, about about two-thirds of the, their business, two-thirds of their revenue, their sales go through retail channels, you know, whether that's Dick's, whether that's Foot Locker, whether that's, uh, you know, Nordstrom right now. Um, they are trying to wean themselves off of that reliance because, let's face it, retail is changing. People aren't going to brick-and-mortar stores and as the, much the anymore. And the margins are higher. Exactly. And that's the other thing. If Nike sells you Nike shoes on Nike.com, there's more margins and they can control the pricing. They can control the, the brand flow. They can control what, what that looks like when they sell it. They have a lot more control and the margins are better. Yes. So investors are really looking at, okay, how can Nike move this shift to e-commerce? How well are they going to transition selling their products through other people to selling them on their own channels, be it Nike.com, be it their apps, be it their own Nike stores. Um, so margin growth, if growth margins get better, that's a sign that Nike is doing better in terms of selling them that way. Uh, direct to consumer, the, 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 they missed on that, uh, on, on that specific piece of the earnings, and that's something that, that investors care a lot about. You know why you know this is working? No matter how you stand on the ad, you know why the ad is working? The recent Emmy Awards, actress Jennifer Lewis, mm -hmm. she was wearing on the red carpet a Nike. Was it a sweatshirt? She yeah, had? it was. A, it was a sequin sweatshirt. Yeah. And 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 to be to be clear, the earnings that were that were reported this week, uh, that was a quarter that closed right before the Colin Kaepernick ad ended. Uh, but CEO Mark Parker did talk about the ad a bit on the. Uh, on the earnings call, he made it clear that they're seeing record record engagement with, with an advertising campaign. He thinks it's been a positive from a commercial standpoint, certainly from an engagement standpoint. Uh, and he mentioned that that extends beyond the U.S., which is something that you know analysts that I've talked to, NFL players don't really resonate much in, in China right now. They don't really resonate much in, in Africa and the Middle East. Uh, if that was a, something that caught the attention of consumers Outside of the U.S., uh, that's a huge success. You know the adage in law, never ask a question you don't know the answer to? <laughs> Something tells me Nike had done enough research where they might have had an inkling as to where this was going to go. No question. And, and you know, to it, it's, it's a nice reminder that a lot of times the things that we talk about as sports fans or even sometimes in sports media about the effect they have on companies like Nike – you know, investors want to know what the FX headwinds and tailwinds are, you know, how Nike has balanced currency changes and, and how clean their inventory is in terms of what has to be sold at its typical price versus what has to be sold at a discounted price. There's so much more that goes into kind of the health of Nike as a company, uh, more than just, you know, who they're sponsoring with and what athletes are wearing their stuff. Let's talk about the Oklahoma Army football game. Anybody see it? No, we didn't see it either. <laughs> well, some people saw it. Some, people saw it. <laughs> some intrepid people saw it. I love this story. Yeah, this is this is fantastic. The Oklahoma Army game, which was expected to be an absolute blowout Three for, touchdown the, for the favorite. Sooners, yeah. uh, went into uh, went into overtime, um, and the game was not on TV. It was a it was a pay per view offering uh, by Fox and Cox. Um, Fifty five dollars, pretty expensive. Uh, uh, and and what Fox, happened? Cox was a little cheaper. Like Cox was a little cheaper. Yeah. Uh, what happened was somebody pulled their phone out, who bought the pay-per-view, pulled their phone out, pointed it at the TV, and started a Twitch stream. Uh, and on Saturday, <laughs> uh, 32,000 people at one point were watching this. Uh, it was the number two most popular stream on Twitch at the time, alongside all these other esports, uh, all these other esports streams. Uh, like, well, like, was Ninja playing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, pretty fascinating look at, you know, we've talked about Periscope in the past and, and kind of pirate streams and all that. 
32,000 is a big number. Uh, and this was, I found out about it on Twitter. It was in the open. It was right. people were just retweeting the stream. There was no secret that this guy with his camera sitting on his couch and his phone out uh, was broadcasting this to, to thousands and thousands of people. Uh, isn't that illegal? Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny to see the way different leagues are. Like the NBA, when you start doing things like this, they don't care. The NBA has an op- a policy of, fine, it's okay. We, technically, no, you, sh- you should be right soldiers and pay us. But anything that promotes our game is good for us, particularly internationally. So this, this, you know why this happened, though? Do you know why? Fox could have distributed this team any way, any way they wanted. This is interesting. Yeah, they could yeah. have done this any way they wanted. They chose to go the pay-per-view route because, Michael Barr, Oklahoma fans pay for it. They yeah. want to see their games. Even a three-touchdown favorite game. Sometimes they pay like they, they, you know, they say some schools travel well, they travel on TV. Well, they pay for pay-per-view and have the right to do whatever they want with one game each year. This was the game they chose. They put on pay-per-view. I didn't see the numbers of how many people actually paid for it, but the, this Twitch stream would, would seem to show that many did not. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, if you and then they joined up. If you multiply it out, just rough numbers, thirty-two thousand by fifty-five dollars. You know, that's one point six million dollars. Yeah, do, do the math. That's know, why they there's do a it. lot. Right. There's a lot of money lost there. But you're right. I mean, it, if this is indeed the most lucrative way for Fox to handle that one game it gets from its Big Twelve members, um, yeah, that seems like a, a pretty nice way to do it. See, it doesn't make a difference though. If it's your team that you're rooting for, if it's a blowout, you're going to watch that game. Until the well, they don't shoot the gun off anymore. But the final whistle for the fourth quarter, because you want to see how many points that your team is going to rack up. Now, obviously, if it's oh. the other way around, especially if you you're in Jersey it. making a bet on the game, or yeah. some of these other states. Yeah, that's so, the engagement we're talking about. So, Scott, last uh, last podcast we discussed the Tiger Film matchup pay per view. Yeah. yeah, knowing now that Oklahoma Army was a fifty five dollar pay per view, <laughs> do you feel better about your? I feel your better guess? about my chances, <laughs> yeah. especially with Tiger winning. Yeah, I feel better about my chances of a very high price point here. You got everybody was settling in. It's like so the nine ninety nine, fifteen dollars, fourteen ninety five. I think it's going to go high. It may not be what I said is that high, but I think it's going to go a little higher. People want to see this. You're going to see golf parties. You're going to see yeah. some some guy is going to spend what you said, sixty nine ninety five, and then invite all his buddies over, and then they're going to watch the golf party and watch Phil and Tiger go at it. Yeah, can, can we talk about like a feel-good moment? We don't often do that, but yeah. I just happened to catch it this morning. Did you see the Houston Astros game? There's a video out there. Some 8-year-old girl, a 7- or 8-year-old girl, whatever, she was cheering very loudly, as eight-year-old kids are wont right. to do. And the woman in front of her with this nasty face turns around and was just sort of like, stop it, enough, because like, she was being loud. And you could see the girl, you could see on her face, she was just, oh, I don't know if she was scared or whatever, but she just kind of shoulders shrugged, like that was it. And like somebody said to her, like, what did she say to you? And she wouldn't even respond. So apparently Lance McCullers, the pitcher for the Astros, saw this. He's on Twitter saying, uh-uh-uh, you, I want you to come to our playoff game. I'll leave you the tickets, and you cheer as loud and long as you possibly can. And then there was somebody else on Twitter says, way to go, Lance. You know what? I want to buy her the jersey. Put it on me. You contact me. I'll give you my credit card. You get her the jersey. Good. What? what for, let me go back to the lady. Who turns around and yells at a kid enough? You, you, this isn't the library. You're at a ball game. Yeah. What what I almost said somebody I didn't want to say, right. but it was. It, give me a break. Yeah, this is a ball game. This is and you're gonna turn around as like okay enough, and I don't even know you. 
if it was if my mom was there, she probably would have slapped the living snot out of that. Wow, one. could you, Mama Bar? Woo, no, Mama I Bar mean, wait, what? Who in the? Who? <laughs> Go check out the video. You see the? You see the woman? She just looks angry and she snaps at her. I, oh, I would. I would excuse me. Did you just tell my kid to stop cheering? The Astros should have this girl leading chants. Oh. oh. Every home game Absolutely. in the playoffs. Absolutely. And, put, the, and put that other woman on the big screen yeah. <laughs> whenever she comes to the game. Photoshop the other team's jersey onto her. But <laughs> isn't that what we are supposed to do at games? Yes. Like just yes. cheer and be loud and obnoxious we, and have fun. We've all and... gone to games where there's some. I had a kid behind me in Portland one time. They give out those thunder sticks. The, I mean, he was banging these thunder sticks behind, I'm with two inches behind my ear for two and a half hours. Did I turn around and tell the kid to stop? No, it's what he's supposed to do. You're at a baseball. You're at a game. Who, who in the hell is this woman? I'm serious. We'll find out. Somebody, somebody's gonna idea. I haven't seen it yet, but we'll go check I, out the video. I think you'll like it. I'm sorry. I said. Bart's no. getting angry. I am. It's like you're at a ball game. It's you almost are, like some vendor spitting his pizza. I I have gotten on my yo. Shot at Detroit. Shot at uh oh. Shot at Detroit. Keep it classy. Wait, did I miss something? Yeah, uh, yeah. A pizza what? vendor yeah. at the Tiger Stadium. At Comerica got Park, hocking a huge <gasps> loogie in on the pizza and then covered it up with sauce before serving it. Oh no! Got arrested. Yeah. Got arrested. Yeah. Where I I have to go see this story now. They had so. to shut down that particular station. And obviously, they threw out all the food that was there. And like you said, the guy got arrested. Yeah. But, you know. That's it, a no-brainer. Don't spit in the pizza. Yeah, don't spit in the pizza. <laughs> and I'm still not sure what he was thinking. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, there sorry. You have I got a little riled up there. All good. I, we love I, it. I, that was, but yell at a kid at a ball game for her. Yeah, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Sosnick and Evan Novi williams We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week for our first ever uh, esports-specific guest. We'll be talking with Carlos Rodriguez, owner and uh, CEO of European esports team G2. El Acelote. I'll yell when I'm good and ready Yay, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.